Hello, hello, hello. How's everyone doing today, tonight, this evening? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Political Talk, the podcast where we want the truth, need the truth, and desperately we seek the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, you got Fox on the right, you got MSNBC on the left, and somewhere we sit right now with CNN in the middle. We do our best to be in the middle. We do our best to see things from both sides. Sometimes we fail, sometimes we succeed, but we do our best. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you one thing. I'm numb. I am numb. We we had another school shooting, as you know. 21 people lost their life. For what? So we can hold on to our guns? So we can beat our chest and say it's our God-given right because it's in the Second Amendment. It is there in the Constitution, a right to carry. It is our birthright. Yet, we do nothing when it comes to death, when it comes to mass shootings, when it comes to an 18-year-old Buying two AR-15s as soon as he turns 18 and deciding to go to an elementary school and kill 10-year-olds. I'm numb. I'm numb to the fact that as a nation, we will do something. I'm numb to the fact of hearing politicians saying my thoughts in prayers. I think Senator Murphy had it right when he said, why do you run for this office? Why do you run to sit in that chair if you will do nothing? What is the point? What is the point of being called senator? What is the point of being called congressman? What is the point of being called Mr. President if you will do nothing? Now, don't get me wrong. I support the Second Amendment. It is our right. The Founding Fathers gave that to us. But we need small regulations when it comes to guns. And you will hear people say, well, we have enough. You know, if we just did stuff around the edges, strengthening background checks, Buffalo would not have happened. If we would have raised the age to get an assault weapon to 21, Texas would not have happened. You hear the pushback from conservatives or people on the right. Well, at 18, you can serve your country and die for it. Yet the argument has failed when you say, well, at that age to serve your country, people who join the military, they are trained to use that deadly weapon. You see, you have kids who sit and these gun manufacturers, they have these marketing campaigns directed to young men. You're not a man if you don't have a gun. You're weak. Grab a gun. And you have a little boy and he has this AR-15. 
They feed into this masculine image that these shooters want to be. My question is, why do you need an AR-15? Why do you need that much gun? Now, I don't know anything about guns, but what is the purpose? A 9mm can't do it? A regular gun can't do it? Do it? Why do you need a military-style weapon? If you want to be in the military, guess what? Join the military. But is it you didn't want to join the military, but you want to play military? That is what's wrong in this country. We have too many people wanting to play policemen. We have too many people wanting to play military. Nobody wants the job, but they want to do the action. They want to play the role. You have to realize the people who actually do the job and do the role are trained in those weapons. But the right does not talk about that. They tell us they love life. They tell us how much it's important to us. Well, you had a set of kids just lose their lives. 19 officers stood in the hallway and did nothing. What did the NRA say? It takes a good guy with a gun to stop a bad guy with a gun. What happens when the good guys are frozen? What happens when the good guys are stopped in their tracks? What happens when the good guys hear the gunfire and they freeze up? Because they weren't prepared. They weren't trained. Maybe Uvalde is a sleepy town and you have an officer who's never had to deal with fire with bullets being directed at him. So he froze. He didn't know how to act. His mind wanted to go back to the test textbook on what he should do in this situation. Maybe sometimes you need to put the textbooks away and just go based off action. Go based off instinct. Sometimes you have to go based off a gut feeling. What feels right? Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I am numb. This won't be the last shooting. This won't be the last thoughts and prayers. There'll be more. We live in a society where we value guns over people. This is basically the wild, wild west. And everyone should have a gun. It is funny, over the weekend you saw the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, get booed when he showed up. Because people want the answers. Your policies, governor, have led to this. You said everyone should have an, a gun. Everyone should be armed. Let's pull the regulations and just let everyone get 
their gun. Well, you can't cry when something like this happens because it is at your doorstep. Now we hear rumblings that Congress, uh, the senators are trying to come up with something. Mitch McConnell told his deputy, he said, we have to do something. Sit down with the other side and come with something. What I propose you strengthen the background checks. You see, if you did that, you would have caught the shooter in Buffalo because of his mental issues, and he never would have what? Got the gun. You, you see, if you raise the age to buy an assault weapon, what happens? You don't have Texas. You have someone who is 21, more mature, can think a little bit more logically. 18-year-old, you are young, you are dumb, your mind is not fully processed. I mean, we can also look at the shopkeeper. You're selling this kid an AR-15. He bought one. He comes back, he gets another. You have to question this. Where is he getting the money? Here's a kid who said he got bullied, he had no money for clothes, and he people bullied him because of the way he looked. But he had money for a gun. It's like if you sit at a bar and you have a drink. The bartender can question and say, I'm not going to serve you because I feel that you will be a danger to the people around you. I, 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 I'd like to think that if we had the, the guy at that gun shop have that same premise, this wouldn't have happened. Maybe he could have notified the FBI. Maybe he could have notified the police that something's not right. Something's going on. This guy just bought two AR-15s back to back. Sometimes you have to think logically. Sometimes you have to take a step back and look at the whole picture. Something should have told you when he showed up a second time, his name was probably in the database. You're back again. You're buying another gun. May I ask what's going on? I've always been told people who sell guns, they ask simple questions. They get a feel. Or was it a feel to get more money for the coffers of the store? That you didn't care or didn't want to ask questions? Maybe you were scared to ask questions. Maybe in the back of your mind you felt like something wasn't right, but you didn't want to say it. If it doesn't smell right, if it doesn't taste right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you it is not right. But we want to live in this world where we want everyone armed. But when people are armed and those people who have their guns do bad things, you have the gun owners cling to their guns <coughs> a little tighter. And they trot out the same talking points. They say the same things over and over and over again. 
the sad part about this is once the media turns off the lights and they have left Buffalo and they've left Yavaldi and that town is alone by itself. They will have to heal. They will have to ask themselves tough questions going forward. Maybe those questions will be rough. Some of maybe those questions will be tough. Maybe those questions will be to a point that they really have to look at the gun issue in this country. No one wants to answer it. You see, I was thinking we don't like gun control until it comes to our doorstep and then we ask the question, why? Because for so long, those people are gun happy, gun nuts. I love my gun until that gun comes to your door and causes destruction. People don't like regulations until what? You need regulations. Now, the things I propose, strengthening background checks, raising the age, those are small things. You can still preserve the Second Amendment. No one's going to take that from you. And for people who think the government is, they have bigger issues. And for people who buy in to people telling you that Joe Biden's coming for your guns, they're only trying to get your money. The president does not want your guns. The Democrats just want simple regulations. They see what can be fixed. They see how we can slow down or prevent another mass shooting. You have to be tired. Because another one will come, more kids will die, and what will we hear? Thoughts and prayers. I'm tired of thoughts and prayers. I want action. But even I know action's not going to come because the people that can do something, the people who we sent to Washington, to Washington for the hard job, the hard fight, they don't want to touch it. They're scared. You know what makes a man, you know what makes a person? is when you're in that situation and your back's against the wall and you have to, you have to decide which way you are going to go. You have to decide is today I'm going to take a stand or tomorrow going to be the day I run. I think we have a lot of cowards in this country. We have cowards that sit in Washington because they don't want to take the hard votes. They'd rather criticize the president. They'd rather sit back and raise money and tweet. Because they know if they're forced to put their name on that paper, they can't vote their conscience. 
they have to vote what the voters want them to. Now, don't get me wrong. The voters send you to Washington to vote their interests. But sometimes being a leader is to persuade your people, this is why I did it. And you have to show conviction. You have to be authentic in your conviction to what you have done. You can't waver. You can't hesitate. You can't hem haul around. You have to be direct. And then people will buy in. But we have to get to a point that we're just tired of sending people to Washington who don't want to do anything. Madison Cawthorn found out the hard way. He came to Washington with great ideals and purpose. And he bought into the hype. He bought into his own hype. He thought I could go crazy and still keep my job. Sometimes people in districts want action. They don't want a show horse, they want a workhorse. If you want to be a show horse, don't be in Congress. Go be that conservative pundit on TV, that conservative pundit who has a podcast, that conservative pundit who does a YouTube channel. But for God, do not be a pundit in Congress. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I tell you I'm numb. I'm tired. And if you're numb like me, let me know. I know you are. You know, I, I, I look back to when I was young and Columbine happened. And Columbine was the what? The start of this mass shooting in schools. And when Texas happened, it, it reaffirmed my skepticism that you're not safe anywhere. As a parent, I fear you send your kids to school. And we used to say back in the day that out of every place, you are more safer in school than you are at home. Because we felt like school was a sacrosanct place, that nothing bad could happen at school. That school had this magical bubble around it that it was respected, almost like a church. It was hollow ground. It was a place where both sides of the aisle respected and wanted the same thing. Might have had different ideas to get there, but they had the same thing. Now we live in a world where Sending kids to school, we don't know if we will see them again. We don't know if there's a kid who's just a sitting time bomb waiting to explode. Ladies and gentlemen, I am numb. I'm tired. We can do things around the edges. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be grand. But we can get buy-in from both sides. We can make this shooting be the last shooting like this. Now, you might say, well, Mark, if we do those things you ask, we're not going to stop shootings because if someone really wants to cause harm, they will. And you are right, they will. 
but we can make it harder for them to cause harm. We can put roadblocks in their way. So when they know they want to do harm, it's just a little bit tougher. It's just a little bit harder. And we'd like to think if the process is not as easy as it is now, maybe they won't do it. Maybe by the time they get to the counter, they forgot what they were there for in the first place. Now, I'm not anti-gun. And I will say this. I, I, I honestly do believe that we've allowed organizations to come in and redirect us, retrain us, reteach us what the, the Second Amendment means when it doesn't mean what they tell us it means. You have a right to bar, bear arms. You have a right to bear arms. You have a right to protect yourself and your family. Being an American citizen, that is your birthright. But having an, a birthright, having responsibility comes Having great power comes great responsibility. So being that you can have a gun, you should feel the weight of what this gun can do. It's like when you get the keys for the first time, your parents look you in the eye and say, tell you that this vehicle, this machine that you are about to drive can kill a man can kill a family, can take a life, can take a child. So think before you act and get behind the wheel because if you take someone's life, you cannot get it back. This is not a video game. I think shop owners, in a sense, need to look at people when they get guns and tell them that. Remember this comes great responsibility. But we don't. We turn a blind eye. We wait for the, the, we wait for everything to die down. We wait for Americans to go back with their blinders and their heads down. Because we know that the Americans have a short attention span. We know that what is hot today, in five days it won't be as hot. And the Second Amendment will stand. Gun, gun advocates will win. And people who want to take away guns will lose again. Gun sales will go up because Someone will whisper, they're coming for your guns. And gun manufacturers will make money. And they'll still market to little boys. You're not a man if you don't have a gun. Go hunting like little Timmy and his dad. Be a man and buy an AR-15. Grab the world with an AR-15. They will market to these kids.
who aren't stable. Some have issues. Some don't feel right. Some feel like they're being replaced by a gun. Be a man. Own a gun. Second Amendment. It's your birthright. You will hear these things from the right. The left wants your guns. The president's going to take away your guns. The Democrats are coming for your guns. We're here to protect you. Don't let them come for your guns. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to be numb. You have to be tired. The other day, I looked on Facebook and I saw there was this casket. There was a casket. It was a, a Superman casket. The guy who's making these caskets for these kids, he's he's making them specialty, special just for them. Every kid will have a coffin that represents that kid's personality. That kid's personality. And I thought there, and I, I saw the casket, and I read a little bit, and I looked at my friend, and I said, I don't think I could ever in my life go to a kid's funeral. And my friend said they had been to one, and I thought, you know, before you have kids, you, you think a different way. Your mindset is on a different wavelength. But the moment you have kids, you think the worst in everything. I feel for those parents. When they came to the school and the police were holding them back and telling them, get back, wait, patience, as their babies lay dying inside. As men who are considered the good guys froze. I couldn't imagine having to bury my babies. I couldn't imagine walking down the church and looking at a Superman coffin, knowing my child is laying in there, 10 years old for eternity, knowing I've been robbed of my grandchildren, I've been robbed of what this child was going to be. Society's been robbed of what this child was going to contribute to it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been robbed. Think about this. Every time there is a shooting, and someone loses their life, we've been robbed as a society from what that person was going to contribute to us. But we have our guns, and that is all that matters. How much does it matter? We say we value life. We say life Above all. But when it comes to guns, life goes to the back burner. 
metal in my arms, my the the cold, oh, the hot touch of a gun, the weight of it. You know, when you 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 hold a gun and you feel the weight and you look at it and at that moment, if you look at it, you realize the power that this thing has. That for that brief moment, you are somebody. And then you come to reality and realize you are just like everybody else in this gun. Ladies and gentlemen, I am numb. I am numb. I used to think we would do something. I used to think we would do something. I used to think we would do something. We would enact a law. We would do something where shootings stopped, where school shootings stopped, where children didn't have to go to school, kiss their parents for the last time. And wait to die. Elementary school, middle school, high school, you are not safe. College, you are not safe. We say it's mental health, but if it comes to mental health, we do nothing about it. We just throw that out there to confuse the conversation. If it was truly about mental health, we would do what? We would enact things. To help people with their <clears throat> with their mental health. We would do something to help them. But we don't. We just throw it out there because it sounds nice. It sounds like if we, we redirect people here, they won't focus there. It's that sleight of hand. We cannot no longer be fooled. Yes, it's a mental health issue. But it's also we live in a country where we what? Value guns over people. And I won't be sideswiped to have you make me think it's mental health. It's a gun issue. We have to get to a point where we ask ourselves how much more how many more lives have to be lost for this how many more people have to go away i'm numb i'm tired I want peace. I'd love to live in a world where I turn on the news and shootings have stopped. And people have come to the realization that life is more important than a gun, than the Second Amendment, that we can regulate guns. We can make people have guns but have guns in a way where it's safe for everyone.
We can do these things. But it just takes the will. It just takes the focus. In a few days, we will be off the shooting. Our minds will be on something else. We'll be focusing on other things. The people of Uvalde will have to process this steel. That is the one thing I think the news media fails. We never go back to the town. We never go back to the families. We never go back in four months and ask them, how are you doing now? What can we do to help you? How has life changed for you? What's your new normal like? Tell us. We just closed the chapter and we put it in the ledger. Another shooting, this many people dead, and we move on. Because we know if we go back, we'll have to re-evaluate. Did we learn from it? What did we do to change our thinking to it? Have we fully processed it? But we just want to go, we have to keep going forward so we don't think about it. But those families have to. Think about it. When the president and the governor showed up at the memorial service, the governor was met with booze. He has to focus on it. He has to tackle it. He has to get the people of Texas to examine it. What could we have done right? Where did we go wrong? And what can we do better? If you, as a leader, if you don't ask yourself those questions, you have failed your people. And you've disgraced the dead. Every action needs to have an evaluation, a look back. What can we do to make things better? What did we do that led to this? What can we do? Once you tackle those questions and you start to come up with simple solutions, Maybe it is a mental health issue. Let's tackle it. Let's put legislation on the table to tackle it. Maybe it's a gun issue. Let's tackle it. What? Let's change things on the side. Keep the Second Amendment. You can still bear arms. But let's look at what guns you need and what guns you do not need. Yes, an 18-year-old can die and serve his country, but an 18-year-old, when they raise their hand to serve, they are trained on that weapon. They are trained to what? Respect their weapon. Just like that 18-year-old who gets that brand new car and gets the speech. In the military, you are given the same speech. We can do better. We should do better. We need to long to do better. 
Nobody wants to see another what? School shooting. There will be other shootings, and those are just as wrong. You know, I'm not naive to think that if we get rid of guns and, and put restrictions that, you know, what happened in Uvalde, uh, you know, will never happen again because I'm, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that when someone wants to do someone harm, when someone wants to do something bad, something bad will happen because what they've already had their mind made up and they are going to get that weapon no matter what. But I'm in the firm believer that if you put roadblocks, you put restrictions, maybe, just maybe, by the time that person gets to the counter, gets that weapon, their mindset will change. Change. The biggest thing that came out of the Buffalo shooting was this idea that the shooter wrote in a manifesto where it became the great replacement, where you had people pushing this idea on this young man and other people like him of white America fading away, white America being pushed away. You know, I read something where they said by 2015, this will be a minority-majority country, meaning that African-Americans and Hispanic-Mexican-Americans will be more of us in America than white Americans. And the question I pose to you tonight, do you believe in this just great replacement theory? Nobody's being replaced. Maybe as a society, we're evolving. Maybe as a society, things are shifting. White America is not going away. White America will always be here. But if we allow ourselves to buy into this hate speech, this speech that the white man is disappearing and the black man is taking his spot. You know, some Republicans try to push back, but the Republicans who push back are the same Republicans who are pushing the nonsense. Do I believe in the great replacement theory? No. But I think people who are pushing it are hiding their full agenda. It's a race, it's a racist comment. It's a racist ideology to think that your life sucks. Your life is hard. Things aren't going your way because society is what? Not benefiting you, but benefiting others. I think people who have that mindset. I think people who share that thinking have to realize that is not true. Society is evolving. Society is growing. The thing about, you know, that shooter in Buffalo, we go back to COVID where he sat in his house all day. And a lot of people like him. We're drawn in 
to something that deep down they truly believed. Maybe they didn't say it, but they felt it. And someone was saying what they felt deep down in their heart. That as a society, they were being replaced. As a society, the government was benefiting others and not benefiting them. That others were getting ahead and having a better life, and they weren't. And so they listened to this crap over and over during the lockdown. And it felt right. You know, I, I had a buddy who told me that during the Bush administration, he watched MSNBC. He used to watch the countdown with Keith Olderman every single night. And he said all Keith Olderman was doing was basically telling him everything that he already believed. So basically wasn't feeding him nothing new wasn't challenging his way of thinking, but was feeding him what he already believed. And so my buddy was hearing this, he believed it, and he grew into it, and he kept watching this garbage. That is what the great replacement theory is. It's garbage. It's garbage. But it's garbage in a way because the people who buy into it truly deep down believe it. And they'll tell you, some people will say, no, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But they still listen to it. They still give a nod to it. They still give some air time to it. Nobody's being replaced. This country is evolving. Is it evolving for the better? Is it evolving for the worse? I don't know, but it's evolving. We need to be respectful of it. We need to learn from it. We need to maybe sit down with the people who truly buy it and ask them, what is it about this message? What is it about the great replacement theory that you see and believe is right? And maybe challenge them. Push back on their way of what? Thinking. And tell them, no, no, this is right. This is right. And maybe you are wrong. But like CRT, I honestly do believe that the right pushes this nonsense because they don't have a message to run on. So they push this nonsense of fear. That's a sad thing about fear. Because the people who push it live in mansions. And the people who buy into it and do bad things have to come to realize that the guy telling you that everything in your life sucks because someone's replacing you won't be there to bail you out. You're on your own. That guy sitting in that comfy studio with that nice wife and that those kids in that mansion, when the lights turn off, he goes back to that. 
you sit in your room with the lights turned off. And so if you decide to do harm to someone because you feel like you have to eradicate a race, a people, once it's done and you have done the unthinkable, you go to a jail cell. But all the people who were feeding you this nonsense, who were feeding you this hate, they go back to their mansions. They go back to living their rich life. And you go to jail, probably for the rest of your life. We talk about mental health, but maybe we need to look at mental health on that aspect. That the people who are buying into the garbage that are, is being sold, like my buddy who would watch Keith Olderman. Maybe we need to look at their mental health. You know, it's that saying, the talking heads, they push their agenda. MSNBC, what pushes the agenda from the left? Fox pushes their agenda from the right. But if we don't realize that we're being fed something, something that maybe we already believe, and we're just regurgitating it, we'll never learn. We'll allow the side that is pushing us this crap to play into our fears, to play into our hopes, to tell us things will be better. That, but we have to listen to this, this little bit, this nugget. We have to buy in to what they are saying. Oh, life will be better, but this is how life will be better. Life won't be better if we buy into that. Life will be better if we start to want to become a better society, an open society. If we realize that we're not being replaced, we're growing, we're enhancing, we're learning, we're realizing that what makes America great is having people from all walks of life sitting at the table and having a nice dialogue. Let's get back to the point where we talk to each other. Let's get back to the point where we realize and listen to each other. And let's not let both parties push fear up upon us. Because that's all they're good at doing. That's all that the talking heads are good at doing. Fear above all else. else. So when we talk about the Great Replacement Theory. It's simply a theory based off fear. Fear that your life will never be the same. The things that you used to enjoy are, going, are about to go away. That the government is catering to those and not you. That you are all by yourself and no one cares. No one loves you. But we do. Just keep watching. Keep buying our, our stuff. Donate to our campaigns. The Great Replacement 
theory does not exist. And it never will exist. You're not being replaced. You're not. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you're not being replaced, but if we allow the rhetoric, if we allow what they are trying to push, you will be erased. The great replacement theory is what it is. It is racist. It is rooted in racism. We can do better. We must do better. Ladies and gentlemen, two years ago, we saw something that surprised us. We saw something that opened our eyes and called into question many things that we never thought we would question. George Floyd was murdered. But he, the way he was murdered shocked us. He was murdered at the hands of police officers. He was murdered at the hands of a police officer that was callous, no feeling. He was murdered at the hands of someone we were told about. We read about in books, but we said those were fiction. George Floyd was murdered at the hands of the police. And after he was murdered, there was this big push to do something. We have to do something. Isn't it funny how when something goes wrong in this country, there's a move at a foot to do something. And so we set on foot to solve the policing issue. Now, don't get me wrong, we went about it in a way that maybe we should not have gone. You see, we maybe should have got more buy-in from the police, but as we saw with the process, they did not want to buy in. You see, when you are used to doing something for so long, you don't want to be criticized. You don't want pushback. You don't want regulations. And so we saw that with the police. And as much as the Democrats wanted to get something done, and as much as maybe Mitch McConnell wanted us to think he wanted to get something done, why he looked at Tim Scott and he said, Tim Scott, work with the Democrats and get something done. Well, the work began, but the work did not finish. And it was almost like the Republicans never wanted to solve the problem. You see, we do have a policing issue in this country. But as we've seen with the crime rising in this country, Police reform is slowly fading to the back burner. The bad cops have won and the good cops have lost. 
you, my buddy said the other day that, well, he was talking about something else, but he, he, he said that the right views teachers like the left view police officers. Why would you want to be a teacher, yet alone a police officer, in this climate today? And the sticking point I have been told was immunity. The police officers don't want to give up their immunity, immunity because if they do something a little out of the line, they want to be protected. Democrats said, no, take it away. And Republicans wanted to shift the burden from the police officer to the precinct. You see, I think that, and I said this at the time, if you really want true police reform, you should make it standard practice, the training. I think we have so many precincts, so many police officer academies that we should have a standard education and a list that all police officers must follow. And when you graduate from the academy, I believe you should be required to have insurance. You see, doctors need insurance. Lawyers have a license and, and have a license. I think you need insurance and I think you need a license. I think if you get those things, you can start to see the shift in the police force. Hold them accountable when they do something wrong. We hold doctors accountable for their malpractice insurance when they mess up. We threaten to pull their license when we say you are not worthy to practice medicine anymore. Why can't we have that same dynamic with the police force? If we deem you uncredible, if we deem you a threat in uniform, we will pull your license. But you have an organization very powerful that everyone it seems like they're scared of. The police unions. They don't want to change. They like the status quo. In two years, we watched a man die. We saw Congress bubble up, attempt to do something. And when they came close to maybe solving the issue, we saw one side walk away and accuse the other side of not playing fear. Now, we look at the climate we're in today, and you would be a fool to bring up police reform. I think you need police reform, you need to re-educate the police force, and you need to hold them accountable every step of the way. Now, we saw the president do an executive order 
And let's look at this. This is President Biden signs executive, historic executive order to advance effective accountability, policing, and strengthening police safety. Executive order to advance effective accountability, policing, and criminal justice practices that will build public trust and strengthen public safety. Police cannot fulfill their role to keep communication safe without public trust and confidence in law enforcement and the criminal criminal justice system. There, there, yet there are places in America today where the bonds of trust are frayed, are broken. To heal as a nation, we must acknowledge that fatal encounters with law enforcement have disproportionately involved black and brown people. I that last line, black and brown people, I would say. It harms all people. We need police reform. But we need to get buy-in from the unions. Standardize the education. Require police officers to have a license. And force them to get insurance. Now the question would be, Mark, how do they fall? How would they be able to afford insurance? Well, when they get hired on at the force, it, it's something that comes out of their check. It's something where it's a benefit that they get set up by the union. And it is insurance to cover all their misdeeds. They pay the deductible. They pay everything. But they pay a portion out of their check, every single paycheck, to their insurance. Ladies and gentlemen, we can do this. It's just the point, do we want to do this? Do we want to start shifting the tide? We can get police reform done. And you might say, well, Mark, you're crazy in this climate. Who would bring it up? I would bring it up. We can do it. The suggestions I have are small, but they pack a big punch. And that's what we need. Small, but pack a big punch. Can you pack a big punch? Ladies and gentlemen, before I leave tonight, I, I want to... You see, I was thinking, how do we get people to respect the Supreme Court again? The Supreme Court is struggling with... People looking at them and saying you're too partisan. You're 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 taking sides. You're you're legislating from the bench. I think all nine members of the court should sit down for an interview with someone who is who is viewed in a way that everyone trusts in the news media the left, the right, who is right down the middle. And it should be kind of like a town hall where the justices speak. They speak on the Constitution, they speak on their role in government, and they speak of the importance of the court. I think if the court starts to do something like this, a town hall, where people bring up opinions and say, well, in this case, why did you rule this way? And you allow the justices to start educating the American people on why they ruled certain ways, why they, how they took the ruling, applied it to the Constitution, and how they came at their verdict. 
I think if we do that, we can start to turn the tide and re-strengthen the Supreme Court. But I think if we do not, I think if we continue to let the court go down the path it's going, they will lose all respect. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I want to thank you. If you like the content, please share it. Like I said, I am numb. I am numb to the fact that we're not getting anything done. We talk a big game, but nothing happens. Another school shooting. Another mass shooting. When will the carnage stop? When will America put life over gun? Respect life over gun. You tell me. It's no longer about the Second Amendment anymore. It's about life. It's about finding a solution, and it's about making America better. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good night. God bless.